Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Around. This week, we have a treat for you. It is the well-known WCW pay-per-view, Uncensored 96. Joining me today are the world-famous Terry Peters and Lou Markham. As always, I'm Ross Markham, and we'll blame Lou for this one, because it was totally his choice. And it's a great choice, I I stand by it. I stand by after, it. After, after watching it, you still stand by it? Classic pay-per-view, yeah. He was I... drawn in by by words, words on a page. Without Tower of Doom. <laughs> Tower of, there you go, Tower of Doom, without actually thinking what the Tower of Doom might be. <laughs> no, this, it, looks like, it was a great card all the way down. There's, there's you know, Eddie Guerrero versus Conan, great. You know, William <laughs> Regal, or Stephen Regal versus Finley. And the Ten-man tarot match. Ten-man tarot We'll get to that. Don't you worry about that. We've got some, <laughs> we've got some things. What about I'm you, about the... Terry Peters? What did you think of the show uh, as, not, as not a whole? Good. Before before we get not... into it, give us my rating of the this one was I gave it overall a D minus. A D minus. Right, we and should we'll find out why. Terry maybe, Peters. maybe something as high as that will get to that. <laughs> Some would say D minus was too high, <laughs> but we'll get to why I'm giving it a D minus. We'll get to it, right? Let's get tucked into it then. So, before it starts, I want to know we have the the uh, commentary team of Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Uh-huh. Did anybody else notice? The names were in the right order. Absolutely, yes. yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was that was the first thing that was wrong with his commentary team. I, do I you like, know what? I liked I liked Dusty Rhodes. I think he was a great wrestler, great promo. Not a good commentator. Not a good commentator. No. I didn't mind him actually. I oh. didn't mind it. I didn't mind the team because I didn't mind. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Dusty Rhodes doesn't always say what he needs to say as quickly as he could possibly say it, <laughs> but. I thought the take of the commentary team was very sports-like, and I'll describe more in the Guerrero Conan match. But I thought the so when the wrestler did a hole and didn't do it properly, they didn't try and cover it and say 
ah, oh, that would have hurt him. That would have been real bad. They said, oh, you, do you know what I mean? He didn't quite catch him there. He could have done this better. It just made it more, I say made it more real. The end took me out of anything. <laughs> I was going to say, is, is sports casting what you need in a in a 10-man Tyro 2 match? <laughs> Maybe not. But I, I I I get what you're coming from, though, but I, I didn't think it was that bad. What about you, Tez? What the commentary team? I, I thought it was alright, to be fair. Quite like Bobby the Brain. Dusty was good, apart from when he couldn't pronounce some words. Um, yeah, obviously it's Tony Schiavone, and it was quite clear the voice of WCW. So, yeah, I, I didn't mind it, to be fair. I thought I found it, I found it distracting. Yeah, Heenan was a bit, Heenan was Corey Graves in it a bit. Um, yeah. I'll probably leave way around, I guess. Um, and then at one <laughs> point, later on, Dusty says, and I, and I quote, He's kicked him in the belly welly. So, um, yeah, that was my take. I did uh, also notice with the commentary team, they was pushing very, very hard the word weld and how international it was. Yes, yes I have to All the now. time, it was, this is the world. And then they did, we've got wrestlers from Mexico, from England, from Ireland. We're going round the world. We're in so many countries live. We're in Australia for the first time. We've got Spanish commentary. Yeah. It was definitely pushing. The world, the world part of world championship wrestling. Yes, yeah, so I think it was. This was around the time where they were really, really starting to to get a bit of steam behind them and make it big, wasn't it? With kind of three months, three or four months out from the formation of the NWA. Yeah. Um, sorry, so they're pouring a lot of money into this thing, um, and I think this is where they're starting to turn the tide. Yeah, um, I thought... and go from that kind of southern wrestling promotion to uh, to world championship wrestling. Yeah, I think you could you could definitely see that throughout. I noticed they were saying anything happens and uncensored an awful lot as well. I know the pay per view was called uncensored, but to say anything can happen as much as what they did as well was quite frustrating. Because you just think we get it after point the fiftieth time of hearing it, we do get what's going on. Right. So moving on to start with, we had the only title match of the show. This is the US. I noticed they said US heavyweight title match, not something you see now with the US title, but it was Conan, the champion, defending against a very young Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> very young. What a, yes. what a magnificent mullet he had as well. It it was glorious, wasn't it? I noticed that. It better. I would say that mullet was better than his WWE mullet. Well, the 2000s. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It was possibly the best mullet on the show. Um, I've got quite a few mullet notes as we go through this. There is some. <laughs> Some cracking it's, bullets going. It is that weird time, isn't this it? Is one of my battles, where it, it's quite clearly the people are still living in the eighties, but they're not quite clearly enough into the nineties, despite it being nineteen ninety six. So they still got the bullets. <laughs> it, it's yeah. as as because we live in a time where there are no bullets. It is very odd to see a lot of bullets in one place. <laughs> It's and it, it's, it's quite strange. a big deal seeing a mullet in real life as well. It's it's quite the achievement for someone in 2020 to still have a mullet. It, yeah. yeah, is it going to make a comeback? No, no, I don't think it will. And if it does, but, I'm definitely not having one. <laughs> you could have a skullet. At the rate you're losing it, you could have the, the him and skull it. <laughs> yeah, you have to go out long at the back, so you've you've got no chance. Of <laughs> Right. Enough about Rommel's lack of hair. Um, I thought this was a very good, solid match to open the show. I can see why 
why they opened with it. Um, I would say one of the only drawbacks was it seemed like the crowd was still filtering in at the start. There was a lot of people not sat down in the seats, and I think that sort of slightly damaged the beginning half of the match. It seemed like they were both babyface as well, which was a bit weird. Um, I think sorry lines where they were both friends, I believe. Like they kept they mentioned right. that in commentary a lot. Yeah, so possibly could That's have been probably a why they were both. Actually, I thought they put yeah. some really nice sequences together on the reversals and reversing the reverse. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it cracked. Right? My my favorite spot, and it wasn't really a spot as much as like everyone was chatting, Eddie, Eddie, and then Conan just kind of turns around and goes, "Oh, what about me, lads?" And everyone just yeah. starts kind of Conan, Conan, um, which I really but, enjoyed. That's kind of Julian chance. I, I, it, it sounded like it was the same fans. Well, yeah, but I really enjoyed that. I think that was the first time the crowd did get involved. I think there was there was that five minutes before that when there was doing a bit of mat wrestling, there was a few arm drags and. It just seemed like the crowd weren't watching. But then if you looked at the crowd, there was, there was a moment where I think there was like 10 or 12 people filtered in. So I just assuming it maybe started a bit early yeah. or people people didn't get in. But So we've got Conan winning that with a low blow. It was odd. Yeah, it was, that, thought, it was, it was a nut to the balls. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was yeah. The balls. it was an odd finish. Well, it was until it showed the replay where he clearly didn't hit the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, was an awful it. replay, uh, which kind of took, took you out of the moment. But yeah, I think the story out here was, you know, he's he's, he's, he's kind of jumped up and Conan's accidentally nutted him in the balls. Um, yeah. And I was covered him for the pin. At the end of it, Eddie's like, what are you doing, mate? Um, kind of pushes him away. And I, I, it starts a bit of tension between the two. Um, but yeah, that, that replay was just, I mean, he clearly just kind of didn't hit him at all. <laughs> which is <laughs> It was an odd, an odd way to finish because I thought it was a, a good match. I thought they, they they got everybody excited, ready for the pay per view without doing too much to make all the other matches look bad after it. There was yeah. a, there was what like maybe two high spots. There was the the jump from the out the Guerrero off the turnbuckle to the outside, wasn't they? And there was a few of us like that. Uh, I think Conan and Dad threw the ring at one point, but they left enough for matches after it to be able to compete and. Which yeah. is what you want from an opening match. You don't want the opening match to be the best match on the card, and you just can't keep up. Yeah, I think it did, but I think this probably was my favorite match on the card. As much as I love that main event that we'll get to, <laughs> oh, what a main event! I actually think this probably was my favorite match on the. Yeah, this is my favorite match as well. It, it started, it started up and went downhill from there. This the show. It was, uh, it was two two good wrestlers wrestling. I think that's the best way we can put. It. Yeah. I did like some of the nuances. There was a bit where. Uh, Eddie Guerrero stood outside and Conan could have jumped through the ropes and he was about to. And Eddie Guerrero just moved out of the way. So you don't see that anymore. Yeah. How, how often do you see where wrestlers are outside and they're just stood in one place for 30 seconds while somebody builds up speed and momentum? It, I thought the the psychology of the match was, well, the superos actually was great. I thought yeah. the, everything made sense. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed I did, it. There was one thing I did notice on commentary that Dusty Rhodes went, Eddie will lose a power struggle. And that was just after he'd given a sort of camel clutch to Conan, who then dropped a mat, and then Eddie Guerrero just flew out of the ropes. I was thinking, well, he's not really losing a power struggle because he was in control there. And I, I don't know if that was meant to happen or if it was just a bit of miscommunication, but it just seemed a bit of an odd thing to say after a camel clutch where he was on, on top as well. I, I get where he's coming from, though, because Conan's obviously oh, no, I the bigger man. Yeah. 
I do where you get his cook coming from. I think it was just an odd place to say it while he's applying the cook, the camel clutch to Conan. And then, yeah. like I say, drops to the mat and then Eddie flies out the ring for some unknown reason. Yep, so just to sum up, Conan there winning with a low blow. Eddie Guerrero not happy yep. about it. Chaster raises his hand at the end and, and Eddie Guerrero refuses to let him. Then we move on to one of the, uh, a few promos throughout the night. We've got uh, Mean Gene Oakland. He was on fire tonight. He was brilliant. He's my favourite part of the show. A <laughs> favourite of those. And joining him was Colonel Robert Parker and I believe his trainer, his wrestling trainer, Dick Slater. So there's, yes. a, there's a promo about the upcoming match between Colonel Robert Parker and Medusa, Builder's man vs. woman. Um, I don't I think that's it's right today, but in 96, I can understand it. I, I suspect that match was quite revolutionary for its time as well, for a man versus a woman. Well, you 96. see, I researched this, because I just assumed 96, this would have be been in retaliation to China in the WWF, but it was um, nearly a year before... China debuted. Ninety-seven, wasn't it? Ninety-seven, yeah. China debuted. I don't even so, know the, the women in WWE would have been about that time. Was yeah, so I think this was this was just after the time Medusa kind of moved across and, and dropped the uh, title Thailand in the crash, trash can. And it looks like they signed her, and then thought, ah, oh, we're done. She definitely win for it affairs. <laughs> so we'll stick with you with a manager. Um, yeah. But um, so thoughts on the promos. Colonel Robert Parker went first, and then they brought in Dick Slater. He sounds a bit love... like Aiden English. I just love Eugene for all of this. Like the bit where at the beginning when he's trying to, it's like he's all screwed at the moment. Don't soil yourself, Colonel. Like, it's absolutely fantastic. Like he just seems so like, he seems so brazen. Like he's just so confident that the wrestlers aren't going to hit him. It's me, Gene. Yeah, we can just say what he wants. And there's a few more highlights like Fever in the show. There's a few like little comments from him in the towards yeah. the wrestlers. Exactly, but you're not getting this from Charlie Caruso. He's just angry at him, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, would I say Dick Slater probably shouldn't go back on a microphone. I thought that was sloppy at best. I couldn't yeah. understand what him or the other guy was saying. Really? Unless that, is that the gimmick? Is that the West Southern, really Southern wrestlers? But I don't know. I don't know where Mississippi is in in America, but I've, but like down south, you know I believe. Yeah, yeah so south. it's the sort of same thing, isn't it? So whether he was doing it, maybe playing it up a little bit more because of they were in Mississippi, I don't really know. But I didn't really understand one what he was on about, or two understand him in in general. But Colonel Robert Parker, that finishing the promo saying he can beat any woman. <laughs> it was Mandel's woman, yeah. and he can beat any woman. All right, so moving on from that, we get the second. International match, builders a grudge match between Special Lords, oh yeah, Lord Stephen Regal and the Belfast Bruiser, Fit Finlay. I'd not heard of the Belfast. There was, but it was confusing on it because he was introduced as Fit Finlay, and then it said just Belfast Bruiser, and then it was calling him the Bruiser until the end, and they called him Fit Finlay, the Belfast yeah. Bruiser. And I don't think uh, the Fit Finlay name properly overtook until a couple of months after as well. Until after this, so it seems it was obviously in a transition period um, where they were trying to get the Fit Fin, sorry, the Belfast Bruiser turned into Fit Finlay. Well, I thought this was what you would expect from a Regal Finlay match. Add it in a lot more of a brawl than the, the technical of the first one, but yeah, 
some good old school British British wrestling. I thought throughout the match. I thought Finlay looked older here than what he did in his WWE <laughs> run about ten years later. Yeah. So, I don't know so if it's the mullet and the tash. If I'm thinking of mullets, the, yeah, my god, this mullet was something else. It was exquisite. <laughs> yeah. And I it say it's because it was it was uh, it was the worst one I think of the mullets. Like, but the ones that you'd be willing to go around with yourself. If you had to pick between, you got Guerrero, Finley, and later on the Booty Man. This is possibly the mullet I'd least like. Yeah, this is personally. this is this is last choice mullet in it. This is what you're yeah. left with. This is the yeah. greasy mullet in it. I think it's the, t- the tash as well. Yeah, something else. But but no, I really enjoyed this match. So you know, two for two because this is a great all-time classic pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> yeah, I loved like at the beginning where um, where Regal came out and it was just the. The comical nature of everything he was doing at the beginning, the way he was acting disgusted by the crowd, and then the way like the crowd were just like comically booing him as well. There was like some people really going for like boo, yeah. Um, and then as the match went on, and I think they brought it up on commentary as well. The commentary was really good. They kind of brought up the fact that oh wait a minute, these guys have got legitimate beef. Like these guys must really hate each other. Yeah. Um. So he kind of went from this comical Lord Stephen Regal guy to that kind of barnacle brawler that they kind of referenced a lot in WWE later on. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It was just kind of a, yeah, they're just having a wrestling match, and then after a while, it's like, whoa, these guys, no, they really, they really don't like each other. And I really enjoyed yeah. that that kind of story arc. I thought there was some unbelievable heel work by Regal. Every time he goes for a pin, his at his forearms on the on the face of Finley, and there was the uh, the low blow where he got the referee to move behind him and then just <laughs> kicked kicked him in the knackers. <laughs> yeah. There were some straight fists as well from Finlay, a left and a right, and one of them actually broke Regal's nose as well. There, yeah, was, was... there was a couple of sort of strong strong um, fists in there from Finlay onto Regal as well, which added to it, and especially at that time where blood wasn't really a thing in wrestling at all, so to actually see him properly break his nose as well was quite, um, quite eye-opening. Really. Yeah, and there was one point where um, Regal did an elbow drop outside the ring, um, which I thought was, I don't know, it's, it's quite good. It's, it's clearly like that from his trainer, Matt Jones, who loves to bump, <laughs> who loves to bump out the ring, as we know. Um, but yeah, I felt like that was kind of like a, a Mick Foley splat, I think. The, the Foley splash, they called it, where he just kind yeah. of, or Foley Cat- splat, where he just kind of, his, yeah, his jack on it. Yeah, where he just kind of used to just dive at the ring and just splat on the concrete floor. Um, there was one thing, but I really enjoyed that. that that needed a bit more planning. When Finley goes to get the chair and they're all connected together, at least know that before you go into the match from the audience. They're all See, connected I, I was going to bring that up. I, I didn't mind that. Because if you are in a heated rivalry with somebody, you, you absolutely hate. You're not thinking straight, are you? And you just want to hit him with anything. So he goes, he sees a chair, he just goes to try and pick it up. So I didn't mind it as much. I get where you're coming from, but I just thought it looked a little bit stupid to me because... He's obviously. I know. Again, it's all storytelling, but you would at least think you'd go get one from under the ring, maybe, rather than trying to reach over the rope, the the guardrail, and find ten rows of chairs stuck together. Yeah. So the match ends with a DQ. Uh, there's a run in from. I believe they're called the Blue Blood. The Blue Bloods. One, one of them was Dave yeah. Taylor. Dave yeah, Taylor. Yeah. I don't know and who the other one was. Basically, just came in and beat down Finlay. Regal stuck the boots in. I've got an issue with this finish. If it was uncensored and everything goes, how can a match finish in DQ? And I'll bring this up in a later match where something similar sort of happens but doesn't get called as a DQ. 
and it and it's just it just annoys me a bit. <laughs> stickler for the details, Terry P. Yeah, as well. Absolutely stickler. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was a good match. I didn't think the finish was a bit weak, but if it was the first match of a series, I understand it. You don't want someone someone can't lose, can they? And I yeah, I like how it just kind of carried on as well. Like it didn't. They tried to move on. They're like, "Well, nope, still going." And I kind of enjoyed yeah. that rather than just going, oh, "We'll be DQ'd, lads. Let's walk to the back." Like, and in the match as well, they actually had interaction with the with the cage as well at the top of the ramp, which was quite good. So they were incorporating that into other matches before yeah, the actual like, main event, which was good. That glorious Doomsday Tower at the end. Yeah, yeah. because for, for those who don't know, they had two rings set up. They had the main ring when the, the other matches took place, and then. Where the the Titantron should have been, they had a another ring with all the cages and scaffolding, and they walked. I think they came under the scaffolding, and they so that was yeah. where the ramp. Was. Yeah, it was. It was they, they incorporated the entrance ramp into that as well, didn't they? I did wonder how they were going to do that at first. Yeah, when I when I saw that this tower was part of the main event, I was like, well, they're not going to be able to put it up in between events, or in between matches. Or, and I was like, are they going to slide it into the middle? But now they they did the match. They did the match the there. Yeah, I was thinking that, because you yeah. can't have it, it's too tall to have it hanging over the ring. Yeah. I assume. Uh, and they wouldn't have been able to put the scaffolding in place for people to get to the, yeah. to the top. So after the, the Regal Finley match, we move on to another promo with Mean Gene Oakland. And this time it's from <laughs> The Giant, who is managed by Jimmy Hart at the time. And it's just been announced that his upcoming match with Loch Ness will become a number one contender match for the WCW Championship on Nitro against the current champion, Ric Flair. Yeah, both, both heels. Um, yeah, Big Show did a bit of, sorry, the Giant did a bit of poetry here. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was good. exactly, but it's something about, something about, he wouldn't do any riddles and then there was a, a griddle involved, I think. Um, it was smoking bacon, bacon on a grill, I think, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. different, different. My favourite part of this promo was that, um, Mean Gene again. Threw it back to Heaney and went, huh, weasel face. And then Tony Shivani was just about to kind of move on. And then he just goes, Baldy. And just, <laughs> everyone just stops in the tracks because they don't know what to do. Uh, I was in stitches. I was in stitches of that. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah. I'm crying now. I just got a bit. This is, this is um, I think, one of the first times of the show we see Jimmy Hart, who's got a running theme throughout yes. the show. There was a lot of Jimmy Hart on the show. A, yeah. a lot of Jimmy Hart. But it makes sense. Tennessee makes sense. He's, he's yeah. around there, isn't he? Well, the top, and then we move, uh, Lou says, we go back to the commentary team, and then we go back to a Loch Ness promo. What are your thoughts oh. on the Loch Ness promo? Terrible. Oh, terrible. terrible. Well, I guess it's like, as I said, like he's giant haystacks on the Wild Sparks days, isn't he? Um, and it was a very Wild Sparks type promo, really. It was just Oh yeah, I'm gonna beat up this guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had a script, and it probably is an argument for a scripted promos. I know everyone these days talks about oh, scripted promos are killing the business, but I think sometimes you see with these unscripted ones, only so many people can do them. Well, um, I did unscripted, yes. and I think he just kind of struggled through it really, and it was just yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm gonna beat him up. I did notice a couple of times when people were doing promos that their eyes sort of moved to the bottom left or right of the camera, so I assumed somewhere maybe reading a script or looking at something oh. that's on the floor. I did not know. I think, it, I think it might have been Lex Luger. I think it might have been Luger that did it. That's it. My argument for 
or scripted promos would be Sid Vicious. It, it yeah. upset that I think if you ever see a Sid Vicious promo, it needs it, you realize why they brought scripts in. They say everyone thinks, don't they? See, I'm woman and iron whether I think scripted promos should still be a thing. What everyone thinks scripted promos, you, you think unscripted promos, you look at The Rock, you look at Stone Cold, the top talkers of wrestling. And not, like you say, not everybody is a talker. Some people are wrestlers, not talkers. That's it, yeah. Some people can do them, some people can't. I think you just need to kind of, you kind of have a blanket approach to it. Some people would write better off bullet points. Yeah. Some people need the full script. Um, we, I think with, with Loch Ness, it probably would have been better if he didn't have any promo because then we 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 could have still thought he was Scottish. Yeah. That, um, yes. Yeah. So that was probably that's probably my take, but obviously. So you know. Yeah. So Loch Ness during the promo is very angry because he was originally supposed to be the Tower of Doom match. He's then pulled for Lex Luger. This has more uh, down the card because Lex Luger is then pulled from a match with the Road Warriors, <laughs> replaced by Booker T. Um, so it's it's confusing, but they get Jimmy Hart getting his fingers all over this pay per view. Yeah. So Loch Ness is very upset, and he, he promises to take it out on the giant, basically, and then take it out on Ric Flair on Nitro. So moving on from that promo, we've got the man vs woman match: Colonel Rob Parker against Medusa. I didn't realize Medusa was so. Let's go, America. I, I didn't. If you wear the name Medusa, that that was not the attire I would have. So thought. Medusa stands for, I think, Made in USA. I think that's where it comes from. Uh, Medusa. Ah, uh, now you see it really yeah. on. That makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. someone called Medusa to me would have look a bit like Luna Vachon. Yes, yeah. I assume that. Is. Yeah. That's but now you've made made. made what, made in USA, USA, yeah, made I believe it's USA. made in USA. It's definitely USA. Right. It makes a bit more sense. Yeah. So, Ken Parker comes down to the ring first, and he's, he's doing his old southern gen gimmick, where he's, he's shaking hands, and he has to shake hands. He repeats quite a few times, I can beat any woman in the world. <laughs> and they're definitely trying to get that over here. Which is funny sounds bad. Yeah, really this, one, this one has people are all far into gender wrestling, and I can see why they want it, but I don't think you could show it like this match. You you wouldn't be uh, able to get away with this now. Yeah, I think this is more a comedy, and so I think you should, you could still get away with this now. I think you, you have the, the last one I can remember is um, Ellsworth versus Becky Lynch. Yeah, was very yeah. was very similar. Um, it's not like a. When they were building up Nia Jax to go in the men's division, but they never pulled the trigger. Or China when she was in there and they asked you to. I don't think this one was meant to be like that. It was more just a, a comedy match. Yeah. I don't like it from the point of view that one, he won. <laughs> that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes Medusa look a bit weak as well, I suppose. Yeah, it's like that kind of thing of like the weakest. She's the top woman in the company. In fact, I think she's probably one of the only women in the company who wrestles. The only yeah, you've got kind of woman in Miss Elizabeth as well as, but she's like the only woman wrestler, and she's kind of she's losing to a manager, like yeah. an old manager as well. She's losing to the lead Kendall Sanders or whatever he's called. Um, Royal Park. He went, and it's just a bit. If you're gonna do it, just have him trying and you know, like again with the Ellsworth and Becky Lynch on when he did it, and then eventually he got always going to him. He got attacked by every woman, and he was just, he was hired out of there. Yeah. Um, but I. I don't know. I mean, this this may have gone a bit longer, but 
I didn't like it. What I found very weird about this match was they went on for it. The majority of the match was, oh my god, he's locking up with her. He's locking up. And it, it went yeah. on. For, I, I don't like, really get why that was. Yeah, they were all like, oh my god, what's going on here? Like It was very odd. Very well, odd. trying to sort of make you think that he's never wrestled before in his life and he's always been a manager, even though, obviously, if he's research, we know he's a wrestler. That's all I can think. Yeah, I think they was trying to... Because he wasn't a wrestler, I think that was the... Because the, the storyline was he was trained by Dick Slater, who yeah. later come down come down to the ring. So the running of the match goes, Kale and Rob Parker and Medusa are locking up. They're doing all wrestling. And Medusa surprises him. There's a body slam in there. There's a, there's a cannonball drop kick off the second rope, which I thought was, was pretty good. And, uh, and Dick Slater comes down. And he costs Medusa the, the match. <laughs> then on the finish, he, I don't know if anyone noticed, when he's pinning Colonel Rob Parker's pin Medusa, his crotch is just in her face. His crotch is near <laughs> in her face. <laughs> because why wouldn't it be? <laughs> because WCW. <laughs> so Dick Slater comes down and he, he trips Medusa from outside of the ring and Rob Parker just basically falls on her and gets the three count. And then he... He pretty much runs around the ring shouting, I can beat any woman again. That is the, the the theme throughout this is that Rob Parker is stronger than any woman. For me it went on too long. It wasn't long, but it was it was a minute, two minutes too long. I thought like you say, Luke, the locking up at the start was half the match. They could have got rid of that. Or yeah, done I it, mean done it once. The runtime of this match was, was three minutes forty seven seconds. Was it was it really? <laughs> It felt like not the shortest match on the card. Yeah. <laughs> it, still it not did, the shortest match on this card. It did feel like a very, very long time. I, I feel like this is where it started going downhill. Before though, as well. That yeah, sort of we have. It's not long since we've actually seen him, so it maybe feels like that's why it went on a bit longer. Possibly, but yeah, I, I agree with you there, Lou. This is where this. If yeah, you were to, to cut the pit view off before this match, yeah, I'd give it good scores. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like you say, I think this was sort of the point where you, where you think, yeah, maybe maybe if this bits weren't in it, then okay. But this was the sort of start of the downfall, I think. So after Kendall Rob Parker won the uh, the battle of the sexes, we move on to a promo with the Road Warriors, and the Road Warriors here are pushing their upcoming Chicago street fight. With Booker T and Sting. I've got an issue with the Chicago Street Fight straight away. It's in Mississippi. Call it a Mississippi Street Fight. It's a good mistake. I believe it was Chicago Street Fight because that's where the Road Warriors are from and they were pushing hard that this was their match. Yeah, I, I, I get that, but to me, a Chicago Street Fight is no difference to a normal Street Fight or a Mississippi Street Fight. Just call it a Mississippi Street Fight and get it over and done with. At least interact. To where you actually are hosting the that, event. That could have been also though, to build heat against the Road Warriors. True, true. Take the Road yeah, Warriors are out from around the year. I think I'm with Peter's pedantry on this one. I thought yeah. it was odd to call it. It's a, it's a classic. You do it after the name, the main street in every, you know, you have one in New Orleans, it's the Bourbon Street fight. Like, it's just kind of so how it always is. Just call it a street fight. It was, yeah, I found that odd as well. I thought, oh, I thought it was a good promo, but I thought Hawk went on a bit too long. I, yeah, bit. I thought you could could have said that with a lot of the promos. They were too long, and it, you think, all oh, right, they've, they've run out of things to say now, and then they'd repeat what they've just said a slightly different way. 
And again, uh, towards the end, I didn't really understand what he was on about or understood what he was saying anyway because of the way he was speaking, which I know is how he speaks on camera, but it all just seemed a bit odd to me in what he was actually saying. I thought Animals bit was really good, though, to be fair. I will say one thing. It did make me want to see the street fight. It promised carnage, pretty much, and that, that's what I expected. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, following nice. on from the Roller Animal promo, we become to DDP Bess, the Booty Man. Uh, this will be his build as an I Quit match, but it's not an I Quit match as you would think now, which. I didn't realise till at least halfway through the match, I will be honest. Yeah, I so was now quite I quit disappointed. Match because it's DDP's career on the line. He's lost all his money, he's lost his girl, he's lost his diamonds. The booty man stolen Kimberly. <laughs> Which is the weirdest sentence I've said today. What and I did think match, quite career. Good. What I did think was quite good with DDP was he's lost everything and he comes out looking a bit rough around the edges, like his pant, his tights were a bit baggy and didn't look at his best in general and stuff like that, which I thought played quite well into the story. Yeah, I, I didn't realise he had this period. Um, it's, uh, when I saw this on paper before we started reviewing, I presumed that DDP was the face and the booty man, because he's fucking booty man, was going to be the heel. Um, so when DDP came out, like, looking like Carlos Valderrama, um, <laughs> it was just a bit... <laughs> That's niche. <laughs> it was, it was hard. Like, yeah, but I thought DDP's heel work was great. I never, yeah, never realised it was a heel, but I, I thought it was, um, it was great. The, the booty man. Uh, was, Why is he called the booty man? He shakes a booty. Shakes a booty. <laughs> it was. It seemed to me the booty man is. Let's give Brutus Beefcake a job for Hogan. <laughs> yeah, so I believe the story. The story before this was he was in the lead, um, the, oh, I can't remember what it's called. What, what was Kevin Sullivan's group called? Dungeon of, Dungeon of Doom? Dungeon of Doom. He was in the Dungeon of Doom as, as his Zodiac, and it turns out he was like a double agent, so he was on Hogan's team all the way through. Yeah, he was feeding it back to Hogan. What he was feeding it back to Hogan, oh. then he became the booty man. Uh, <laughs> basically stole stole Kimberly from DDP. So DDP's lost everything. He said, right, I'm going to put you my career online. Initially, I think it, they didn't mention at the start, but they did mention halfway through it was going to be against Johnny B. Bad. And the booty man took over. So if DDP wins, he regains Kimberly, which again, I don't think you can do now. <laughs> no. It was, the woman was very much the the possession but I thought he started off well. DDP was obviously change of opponent, reluctant to get in the ring with him, and he he spends a good minute, two minutes outside, shouting at fans, <laughs> which I thought yeah. was great. Yeah, I thought his heel work was was great all the way through, and the bit where they were kind of all they were doing was standing on the turnbuckles, like expecting cheers, and yeah, DDP was shouting booze, and for some reason the booty man was uh was shouting because he was shaking check, check, that booty. Booty Man is basically just a watered-down version of Badass Billy Gunn in his Mr. Ass face. Well, this would have been this would have been preceding to, to Badass Billy Gunn, so mm-hmm. is what you're saying yeah. there. 
Mr. Ass is a ripoff of the Booty Man. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that is what I'm saying. But I prefer Mr. Ass because he wasn't the Booty Man. Yeah, um, but I I think they're, they're slightly different because he wasn't coming out going shake, shake, shake that ass. He just loved ass. Whereas the Booty Man was just shaking his booty. So they're both like, you know. They're both like booty, though. Very air based gimmicks, but very different, I think, at the same time. Um, so yeah. halfway through the match, Kimberly comes down from the ring, notably wearing the colours of the booty man, and says <laughs> into the camera, isn't he cute, and I wish he was my boyfriend. <laughs> wow. Uh, this causes DDP to lose his focus. Um, Kimberly gets on the... Well, he tells Kimberly to get in the corner, come up the stairs. He then plants a kiss on her. The, yep. kiss, is not, the kiss is not well received. Shocks to anybody, <laughs> anybody there. Kimberly comes in with a slap. It causes DDP to then fall into the running knee from the booty man, and the booty man gets the one, two, three, and DDP has to leave WCW. Yeah, and I we never issues. saw him again after this. I have issues. Well, this I, I my, was, I was shocked. Issue. I thought DDP was winning. I thought there was going to be some sort of schmoz. DDP was going to go over. My continuity issues. If the Blue Bloods come out and get disqualified in the earlier match for interference in a match, the Booty Babe has quite clearly slapped DDP and interfered. Why is that not disqualification? Right in front of the referee, you could see it and everything. It, no. It, oh, because did you not hear Heenan's explanation? She wasn't slapping him. She was like, come on, give me another one. So <laughs> it, it makes sense. Right, okay. It's a friendly pat on the cheek. She was she was aggressively trying to kiss him. Yeah, that's basically that. According to Bobby Heenan, that's exactly what happened, yeah. And I thought the high knee finish was terrible. That, so how can that finish on the match? The high knee I I thought finishes throughout the show were quite weak. I thought it was you know, we we've criticized the Russo era for a lot of non finishes, a lot of run ins, but there's a lot of finishes on this card that are non-finishes or run-ins or screwy finishes. I don't think there's I don't think there's any clean finishes throughout the full card. No, I don't think there's one. I don't think there's one. But, um, oh, there is. There's one. There's one. There's the next match. This kind yeah. of was a squash, isn't it? But yeah, yeah I remember on um, on his podcast, Bischoff basically said like, yeah, we always just suck to finishes, <laughs> like all the way through. It, it makes a we lot of sense never, now. Just now you're watching finishes. him back. Yeah. So moving on from DDP losing his job with WCW, we go to Lex Luger. Now he's got a promo because he's been removed from his tag team with the, with Sting, and they are currently WCW tag team champions. He's no longer in that match because Jimmy Hart has put him in the Tower of Doom. I thought one of the better promos of the night. I thought Luger's always been half decent at promos. I think it fits his gimmick to to talk and not let anybody else talk talk to him. It's all about him. I thought that was that was pretty strong. I noticed a couple of slip ups he made though in it, just when he sort of stumbled on his words and maybe picked I said picked the wrong word and sort of half started a word and then changed it, but it was a good promo in what he was saying. I thought it made a, it did it, it did lead on to 
to the street fight. I thought it it said that he, you know he's not abandoning Sting as much as the commentators have you believe. Yeah. I thought it was it was pretty good. Thoughts, Lou? Yeah, I think it was a start of tension between Luger and and Sting, um, which kind of went onto the, the crowd, didn't it? Eventually, um, yeah, goes all the way to Bash at the Beach. So it's a bit of that. Yeah, I've never really got Luger. I never really cared for him. Um, I've said this is like the greatest show ever. I'm just shitting all right now. Um, but yeah, it's just like I did love Jimmy Hart again though. It's like I love you, man. <laughs> and just with the jacket. jacket. So yeah. so Jimmy Hart hands Lex Luger. It was it's the last time he's ever going to manage him, or <laughs> isn't it? So he hands him yeah. hands him a jacket with Luger's face on, which I'm you know he is self absorbed in this. I'm I'm sure he would he would love wearing that. Probably actually does wear that still yeah, that way. That was an exquisite jacket as well. I really was, want a Jimmy Hart jacket. And air, airbrush jackets, you know, yeah. they've gone out of fashion, but that some of them are very garish. But I, I thought some of them looked very, very good. Let's start them up again. Yeah, start them up. There you go. Right, go online, and we'll have the first of uh, wrestling around <laughs> airbrush jacket. Airbrush jacket. Airbrush jacket. There you go. One of a kind. <laughs> Our very own Terry Peters will be airbrushing them himself. <laughs> Don't expect any high quality on if it's going to my hand. No refunds. <laughs> <laughs> so, going on from that promo, we've got the now number one contender match between Loch Ness and the Giants. Which was classed as a Giants versus Giant. Giant versus Giant. Match. They, no, they did this all the way through. Every sort of match throughout the show had its own sort of the tagline it was yeah. described as something yeah. and it, to be fair to Shivani he says that at the start doesn't he, he says this is the only during the uh, Conan Guerrero match he says this is the only title match but we have got this 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 and this I think he says man versus woman giant versus giant tower of doom <laughs> doomsday cage match Christ we'll get there <laughs> oh we will so this match didn't go long at all. I think this was probably even shorter than the than the man versus match. match. Yeah, it was. This was two minutes, 35 seconds. This I am normally a big fan of two big lads bashing, but... Right. <laughs> Making <laughs> that sense of... What about your preference in wrestling? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, BM. <laughs> two big lads. I was going to say, go on. That's not... Is it? <laughs> two I big lads knocking lumps out of each other. Two big lads bumping me. Oh. <laughs> Christ. No one needs to see that. Yeah, I'm normally a big fan of just, of just two big lads beating each other up. But this was very short. Very short. Not good. Barely got going. So the giant wins with a, a Hulk Hogan leg drop. Saw the comes out of nowhere. Didn't do a right lot before it or after. He, uh, he wins it like, and immediately calls out Hogan. Says, Hogan, this is for you. And Flair, I'm going to beat you on Monday Night Nitro. They are pushing Nitro quite a bit because I might, this is the, yeah. the start of the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. I can't slow. Very Lock slow. Lockness couldn't move a lot in this. No, he couldn't. So I've start. just read that he was bigger at this point than Yokozuna ever was. He was he was six hundred and ninety nine pounds. But they did bill it as over a ton. They said yeah. over a ton. Yeah, I mean, Big Show looked great. He is in, he's in. I think the only time he's ever been in better shape is, is now. Yeah, oh, the giant is. is, is now and then. 
an athletic big show, isn't it? Well, an yeah, athletic very giant. athletic. Yeah, it can't be very good. Can't have been in the business long at this point. I think. I don't. No, think he'd come had. in a few months before as the world. He came in as the world champion, didn't he? Because it was the the pay per view where he he killed Hulk Hogan by throwing him off the roof of a building, <laughs> and then <laughs> beat him later on back in the night. Oh no, Hulk Hogan killed him. Hulk Hogan knocked him off. It was like, oh no, what have I done? And then lost him in a match like later on night. Was this was this the bear rug that he killed him with a bear rug? Didn't he? He won the yeah, title with was, a bear rug. There was the, yeah, it was the, they had a monster truck brawl. Yeah, oh, yeah. there wasn't that the monster truck. Yeah, and then he hit him off the side. Very, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not great, but Loch Ness couldn't move, could he? Let's yeah. be honest. He, he couldn't he did, do a right lot. He did look big when he came down that, down to the entrance ramp. He looked massive. Well, I'm guessing that's why he was, he was sort of in overalls for the match. Yeah, he was in them, maybe, yeah. all the tyre. Maybe not wanted to. Yeah, and it was at the end of his. It was at the end of his career here as well, wasn't it? I think he was just having a final fling in in the US. US. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's been a big star in the British scene for a long time, but that had kind of died off by this point. So I think yeah. he was just kind of just making it one last payday. But I think there was. I think it must have been Heenan. It was just like at one point, it was like, "Yeah, he flew him all the way out here just for this." Like, I don't think it went as planned for him. Uh, no, I don't. At all. Oh, that was my other point with when me and Gene was on. This is just ever back on the on their promo. Yeah, PG goes. I want to introduce you to my neighbour. <laughs> and he looks really confused. He's like, "He's a dentist." <laughs> I just stand there awkwardly before I moves back to the commentators. Brilliant <laughs> stuff from the again. <laughs> so moving on from another contenders match, we've got another promo. This is Booker T and Sting, and they're basically G and each other up for the upcoming Chicago Street Fight with the Road Warriors. Booker T's outfit. Believable, I thought, and it's a shame he didn't carry away. I'm wearing that what sort of that? overalls with a ring in the middle, the like tight, weird top thing he was wearing. <laughs> I didn't remember him wearing that because <laughs> I'm used to seeing him as Booker T or King Booker in WWF, but I just thought it was it was great, and I, I had a yeah. lot of time for it. It's classic Alan Hick attire, wasn't it? Yeah, his <laughs> nose it was quite uh quite impressive as well. But yeah, he so just reminded thought... me of here of just these times, when he's on the pre-shows these days. It was the exact same. I thought <laughs> that first night would come out later on. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was, it was here in all its glory. I think that's probably just how he is, isn't it? That's just what we'd say, you know, in a nutshell, really. Yeah. So, the sort of storyline for this is Sting and Lex Luger, the WCW Tag Team Champions, the Road Warriors want a shot at the champions and also Harlem Heat, which is why Booker T is in the match to prove that he wants that they deserve a shot at the, at the at the title. So this falls straight on into the Chicago Street fight with the Road Warriors and Sting and Booker T. The first thing I would have to say about this match is I did not enjoy the split screen. I like the split screen. I it, I thought sometimes it wasn't needed. <laughs> I I agree. Sometimes it wasn't needed, but I thought it was. I I liked it because I think it sort of makes you look at actions happening on both sides of the ring. Whereas on a normal hard cam, they're only focusing on what's in the ring, or when when they move to other cameras, they only focus on one bit. So you only assume that nothing else is happening really of any importance. Whereas it sort of made both members of the team feel quite important to what they were doing to the match. I just thought it was. 
a bit confusing I, at some points where it, they had the wrong camera for the for the shots. So you'd you'd see like the the show that the hard cam, and then you just see the tops of their heads, and then you'd have another cam, and you wouldn't see anything because the, the behind them. I didn't I didn't think the camera work was was brilliant. It's definitely not what we've come to expect from Kevin Dunn and his team of about a million who now do Raw and SmackDown and anything in WWE. I did notice um, Dusty Rhodes said you get a good bird's eye view from the cameras, even though quite clearly there was no bird's eye view coming from <laughs> any cameras. So I don't know if he got a bit, doesn't really know what bird's eye view was, but I think at this yeah. point, it feels like Dusty was just saying random words. <laughs> um, yeah. There's one point in this where he just went, ET, phone home, but it made no sense. Um, so anything that was going on during the match. There was one way he was kind of he was struggling to pronounce so I can't remember which match it was in, but yeah, that was for the head, instead of head he was, he was trying to pronounce subterranean. Like yeah. And he just could not do it. So this match I was looking quite forward to seeing. I always love a street fight, but I was disappointed. It yeah. It wasn't a street fight for me, it was the tornado tag match. Yeah. Yeah. It, I thought a lot of times during the match, it looked like two single matches happened at the same time. There was no team cohesion, which you sort of expect from Sting and Booker T, I get that. But from Road Warriors, there was no two-on-one attacks. There was no... Somebody was getting pinned on a submission move, and they just did, ignored them. And they didn't break, up, didn't break anything up. And the sort of I just match, The sort of match type felt as though it come two years too early. If you put it on in 98, it'd probably been really good as a match type, but to call it a street fight when it's not as a street fight as we know, it did leave me disappointed as well. Yeah, I've, I've got that as well. There was a lack of weapons. There was a chair. I get this second time in the night, to be fair. They tried to pick up a connected chair, and they did manage to get a chair, and then for some reason, Sting walked off, came back, and had two brooms. And there was a cable back, as well, wasn't went back to find a weapon. Came up with two two brooms. Yeah, if someone comes at you with a broom, you're not going to be scared, really, are you? Whereas if they come back with a sledgehammer or a chair, you're probably going to be more scared. Well, but I did notice strangling with cables as well, which I thought was quite good. And when you think of the time that it was, you didn't really see that in wrestling at that time. Yeah, but so I've, I've the brooms annoyed me. To get back to the brooms, came <laughs> in the ring, came in the ring with two brooms, right? Two brooms, a partner as well. But he didn't pass a broom to Booker T. He didn't just hit people with both brooms. Like it was one broom. <laughs> well, it's, it more, it's more powerful, isn't it, if you've got two brooms. I was going to say brooms. double power, yeah. With one, yeah. Ah, and then, finally, uh, the Road Warriors take the brooms off him. They did pass it. And then they broke one in half. And you think, and I think Dusty Road says, oh, now that's got a sharp edge. And he just hits him with it like a normal broom. <laughs> It, for me, this went on far too long. Yeah, there yeah. was no action in it whatsoever. It was just no. literally four people throwing punches, maybe the odd drop kick going around the ring. But when they there was when a they couple of brooms, and when they ended up backstage, I thought it was really weird that Lex Luger was just stood there. But then I really liked it when he got involved and his baby oil gets knocked, and he and he says, "You ruined my sheen," which I thought was absolutely brilliant. So, so for those who haven't seen the show, at one point, Booker T says, he's had enough. And he starts throwing hands to the camera saying, I've had enough, I'm not doing it anymore. 
and he walks off to the back. And then I believe it's Hawk follows him. And Lex Luger's there putting baby oil on in a in a mirror. There's no, I think a brawl. It's animal, isn't it? Is it animal? I think it's animal. I've got Hawk in that one of the Roman Warriors <laughs> goes to the back. Um Lex Luger gets knocked and he spills all his, his baby oil and that <laughs> then provokes a two on one attack on one of the Road Warriors. Stevie Ray then jumps in from out of nowhere, starts putting the boats in. Jimmy Hart making his 18 million yeah. <laughs> appearance on the show. Jimmy so Hart. Hart comes in. And well, then he goes off screen, doesn't he? And then yeah. comes back with handcuffs. Yeah, so they initially tape him round a post and then they yeah. handcuff him. And then, so he's out of the match, basically. And then Booker T comes back and they're wrestling. It's a two-on-one then. And then still, <laughs> Stevie Ray comes. It's it's the remaining Road Warrior with a chair. And then Booker T picks up the win via pinfall. Well, it was... Yeah. Don't it cut to the back after this as well? And Stevie Ray's still got a chair and then hits the... Stevie Ray's back there and it's just lamping him with a chair, yeah. Yeah. Oh, lamps the handcuff uh, Road Warrior with a chair. Yeah. Just to finish everything off. I decided left a lot to be desired. I was looking forward to it. Street fight, you think, oh, this is going to be action. This is going to be... Ten minutes too long. It, I thought it was just boring. It's yeah, the, it's very it's long. The, it's the sort of semi-main event, in it? It's before the, the second to last show. You think they've, they've built up to it, built up to it, built up to it. Keep saying, this is uncensored. Anything can happen. And nothing happened until the last two minutes. Yeah, it was just a... It just went on for far too long for me. No, you say it was basically a tornado tag match, wasn't it? it yeah, it was. And then Sting had some brooms, which is <laughs> <laughs> they made such a big deal of him going to the back. And yeah. I don't know if it's is because we grew up with the iTunes era, so with because this is maybe just slightly before, isn't it? So we, you're expecting chairs, you're expecting ladders, you're expecting tables, you're expecting sledgehammers, you're expecting even a dustbin. <laughs> it's in with a little cookie sheet. <laughs> they come back with two brooms. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> so Sting and Booker T beat the Road Warriors in their own match, the Chicago Street Fight, which leaves us, as we've all been waiting for, main events. The Tower of Doom match. The Doomsday Cage match, the God knows whatever match. So it starts off with <laughs> it starts off with Michael Buffer in the ring, and this is the first action Michael Buffer had, had all pay per view. Yeah, so here are just the main events in WCW. I think I they had a say, deal where whatever channel they were on had Michael Buffer doing the boxing, so they right. used him. So they could do. He he it adds a really it, it adds like a real life sports feel to it, but then. <laughs> Yes. It's obviously it's a two on eight Tower of Doom match, so it just kind of when he starts going on about um the Hulkamania, the Alliance to the Hulkamania. It just it's a bit odd sending Michael Buffer saying that. Um I so, yeah. know, Michael was in my notes for Bruce Buffer as well, which is always interesting. Oh, that's his Bruce that's, from that's the that's UFC. Really he's his brother from the UFC, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To be fair to Michael Buffer, when he does a boxing show, he only does the main event or he does the important Fights yeah. towards the end of the card. So Michael Buffer. When Michael Buffer dies, it's going to be odd, isn't it, watching sports like boxing without 
Michael, but for... Well, I don't think he'll do it until it's like 1930s. There's going to be somebody, somebody else will come in and do it. Are you saying Justin Robertson? It's good as Michael Buffer. Yeah. Can I'm I do so it as well as Michael Buffer there? We yeah. all thought this when Lily and Garcia irritated. Did we not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe we did. <laughs> I zoned out a wrestler for a couple of years, did not realise she'd retired. <laughs> Which, um, my favourite ring announcer is going to be Sweet Stevie Aaron from. From NGW and uh, WCPW. <laughs> the bar is open. Great stuff. That's what, that's one for the for the British wrestling fans. Yep. <laughs> the Northern British fans, I would say. Yeah. A select few British wrestling. That's a very niche. <laughs> so Michael. Yeah. So yeah. Back to Michael Buffett. He announces the rules of the Doomsday Cage wrestling. For those of, for those of who don't know, it is. Three cages on top of each other. So there's a cage around the ring. There's a middle cage. But the middle cage is split into two cages with a door in the middle. And then there's the top cage. The rules of the match are Hogan and Savage start in the top cage against two. They then have to escape. I didn't realize it was just escape. I thought it was also via pinfall or submission. I thought it was. The rules are very clear. So they have to escape that cage through a trap door into the middle two cages, which, again, I thought would be... I thought the door would be locked, but no, it's just two cages. <laughs> so then it becomes a four-on-two handicap match. They then have to escape that cage via the doors and go down the scaffolding. Are we still with us? <laughs> into the bottom cage. And then in the bottom cage, it is a two-on-two match. It's just basically a cage match. So if you're... Hogan and Savage can lose at any time, but if they beat the other wrestlers by escaping the cage, they're then eliminated from the match and are no longer allowed to compete. That was a lot. Yeah. I mean, when they're doing the the like production meetings and the rundowns of the show and the booking meetings, somebody would have had to describe that and somebody else has gone, Yeah, 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 let's do that. That's yeah. a good idea. That that's you can follow that. In one of the earlier promos with Lee Marshall on the there's a blackboard in the background and there's all details of the match and I don't know if it's meant to be like a Mega Powers plan of how they're going to win the match but again, just little details like that which I noticed and then like you say now you're trying to get your head around all these rules and no wonder they had a bloody blackboard set up so they I thought he was going to use that on. board to explain the match to us yeah. I thought it was going to be a day I, I kept seeing it in the background thinking, well surely he's going to you're going to come back to Lee Marshall who's going to you know, kind of run through like what happens with the diagram behind. But yeah. Nope, they, they, they don't use it. It could have done with. You know, like every, every Royal Rumble match, we know all the rules of the match, we know the rules of the World Games matches. WWE put the rules on the screen. It could have yeah. done with that. It could have done with anything. But... It could have done with that up side by side the actual bloody match. So, the alliance to end Hulk Hogan consists of the current WCW world champion, Ric Flair, the enforcer, Ann Anderson, the taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, Ming, the barbarian, Zig Gangster, <laughs> aka Zeus. <laughs> he is, let's go back to the Zig Gangster. He is mentioned as a foe from a, is it a foe from a previous life or a previous. Yeah. Enemy or something like that. Yeah. To the so he was a he was an actor. Hinting. He was an actor. He wasn't a wrestler. He's he was a... he was in No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. 
Yes. And they had the match afterwards to promote it. Um, I think that was in like 89. And then he just didn't really do a lot of wrestling. Came back in 1996 for this. Yeah. And the final member of the team is the ultimate solution. They will be teaming off against the reforming mega powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. First things I noticed about the cage was it looked very, very unsteady. Yeah. I would not have liked to have been in that top cage. I'd have been more worried about being in the second one if Casey fell through, to be honest with you, I think. It was all a bit. So it it was kind of like one of those kids' play areas, you know the the old foam ones where you used to go in it and there was different layers. Yeah, and you yes. used to jump down into the lab. It was it was like that, but for for adults wrestling. Um, yeah, I loved it. It was it was great. I think when you look at cages now as well, how stable they actually are, and you see how flimsy they seem, watch you can understand why they were pretty much just holding onto that middle beam, that middle metal pole, and walking across the beams. Yeah, I think this yeah. would have went better if it was the the old blue cage. You know, because it was more solid. Yeah, it would have done it. But yeah. it would have been, would have been more solid because it's sort of the yeah. It looks like it seems to happen flexible. like any type of match quality, which again is my main issue with this. Yeah, you have this you have this setup as a ring at the bottom, but in the bottom it's the ultimate solution and the gangster. And in the top cage, you've got Iron Anderson and the current world champion. Rick Flair, that surely yeah. should have been the final bus stage. Not yeah, they should they have been the first ones need to knock off. It was insane. Yes, yeah. I I would agree with that. So the so they fair they work up the way the way up the scaffolding to the top cage, which has Ann Anderson and Rick Flair. So Hogan and Savage must. It's not really clear at this point. Must beat Ann Anderson and Rick Flair by getting out of the cage. To go into the second one, and then Ann Anderson and Ric Flair were then eliminated from the match. Again, there's a split screen in this, which I didn't think was that necessary because that's uh, all. Um, I did think for the fans in attendance, just because of where it was, it must have been very hard to see what on earth was going on. Well, they had a wide shot of the actual thing for the people viewing at home, and I was struggling to see what was going on through the because they sort of had the dark and the lights down a bit to film it so you could actually see what was going on and I still struggle so God knows what it would be like if you're in the cheap seats yeah so these four couldn't really couldn't do any wrestling whatsoever because the, the, the cage is too flexible they can barely stand there's a pole in the middle there's no wrestling to be had whatsoever because the cage is too flimsy you've got arguably two of the best wrestlers ever to live against well, three. Randy Savage. Hogan's not great, but he can he can do a strong match. And they can't do anything because they're just bouncing about. They, they, they can barely stand. They're all in this post in the middle. And it not a lot happens until the Mega Powers have powder. So they have powder and they throw it at Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. I assume that was in their tights. Cause I, I was think thinking, so. Where did... But, where did that come from? And there was something that Ric Flair dropped through to the other cage. I think, I think it was Flair. And it looked like an EpiPen. And yes. I don't know what it was or where it appeared from. It all just seemed a bit weird. I think they dropped it. I think Kevin Sullivan dropped it. And that's why it wasn't involved again. Yeah, because I was going to say, I suppose as well, depending on what way it goes down, it's going to fall straight through a cage, isn't it, when there's 
six other people, four other yeah. people waiting because below. It zoomed out and it showed Kevin Sullivan like looking on the floor for it. <laughs> so whatever it was. I didn't pick I mean, up on that. That would have made this match a five star match. <laughs> that, could, that could have been what, what made the difference here. Yeah. Um, it all went to pop from there. <laughs> so the Mega Powers used power there with Blind Dan Anderson and Rick Flair. And while they're blinded, they find the trapdoor and Hogan and Savage escape through it. And they're now on the second floor. And this floor is split into two. So you've got Barbarian and Meng on one side, Sullivan and Luger on the other. And the door's open in the middle. So the, I'm assuming that wall is there for construction purposes. I think so, yeah. I think it was yeah, just like a lost table, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was very confused at first when I saw it, but yeah, I presume that was just so that you had a chance of staying up. <laughs> so this match now becomes a 4 on 2. Quite early on, Hogan locks Megan Barbarian in one half. So Megan Barbarian, I mean, they probably got paid a lot because they're in main event, but there's about yeah. two minutes of wrestling from them. Yeah. And when they get locked in the door, they're yanking on it as well, and it's quite clearly opening with a just a bigger yank. That door would have come off its hinges. <laughs> so Hogan Hogan chains it up, and then for some reason, once it's been chained up, Anne Anderson and Ric Flair escape into that pod. <laughs> yeah, Anne Anderson yeah. was just sat on the side looking really <laughs> tentative about going down. Just it just cuts to the camera shot, and it was just Anne's legs just like kind of hanging through the air. Yeah. Through the chapter with him, like, oh, I don't know if I should go down here. Very strange. Oh, another thing, another thing that was weird. Anne Anderson was in street clothes at the start. Is in, is in, a, like jogging bottoms and a t-shirt. It, it was, it was odd, very odd. Was that just because he was just getting on a bit? I know a lot of them started to just wear them odd. Even Ric Flair started wrestling a t-shirt towards the end of his WCW career, didn't he? Uh, well, maybe, but then later on, we'll get there. We'll, we'll put a pin in that look because we'll get there. <laughs> right, so so Barbarian Meng, uh, uh, Anne Anderson and Ric Flair are now locked in one side of the cage. Oh, it's Hogan and Savage against Sullivan and Luger and they break out of the cage, Sullivan and Hogan, and they're now fighting on the scaffolding. They manage to work their way to the floor so they're now not in the final cage. They've escaped <laughs> they escaped the second kid and they're still going so if like me you thought the rules were to escape a cage and then that's it you'd be wrong <laughs> because that apparently <laughs> is only for the top cage so they're all fighting on the floor Sullivan and Hogan then fight towards the ring and not the ring yeah. that they're using the ring that's been used for every other match Confusing, very confusing. Then it wasn't in the cage for that long. And no, I mean that cage was small. It was hard to do anything. I wasn't sure if they'd called an audible here because the crowd began restless because they couldn't see anything. Possibly. So they were like, "Let's just go down to the ring." Hogan does his spots, and then he go back up to the the cage again. But they wasn't in that ring for very long. And they left, and I think they went back again, and then they left, and then they went back again. And basically, all this time, is Hogan and Savage beating up Sullivan and Luger. There isn't a lot of offence from the alliance to end Hulkamania. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, sorry, I should mention at this point, 
the gangster and Ultimate Solution are nowhere to be seen. So there's nobody <laughs> currently in the bottom cage, just to make it a bit more confusing. <laughs> and the commentary don't know where they are. Nobody knows where they are. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> if you're still with me, right? Because just watch it. Because it's it doesn't lend well to be written down this. Hogan and Savage then end up in the bottom cage <laughs> with, with the gangster on the solution. Uh and they're teeing off and the gangster on the solution are not selling anything, they can't get them down. This goes on for a couple of minutes. Now they're nowhere. Arn Anderson now when he's ring gear. Yeah, <laughs> this is strips off. <laughs> I never picked up on that, actually. Yeah. I never he's picked up his ring gear. So, God knows why he won't wear it in the first place. <laughs> and, Ric Flair, and Ric Flair come back into the cage. And After yes. escaping a locked door. So, yeah, so they, but they've broken out the locked door, which shouldn't have mattered, because according to the rules of this Disney cage match, they are now out. Yeah. <laughs> so, for anybody at home thinking... I thought you said Anderson and Ric Flair were now eliminated. Yes, they are. And don't you worry, there's more to come from them too. <laughs> <laughs> it is now, again, a four-on-two match in the bottom cage. So this is in the ring, not in the main ring where all the other matches have taken place. This is in the ring near the Titan John, underneath this. I was going to say demonic structure, but that's because head for hell and sounds like. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not have that confused again for again, please. So, Arn Anderson and Rip Fett, it's a four on two. And then Lex Luger gets involved. No, sorry, before that. It's the second appearance of the show from the Booty Man. Oh, God. Yeah. The... So, Hogan and, Hogan and Savage have gone back to get more power there. It looks like they've dropped a lot because it's just all over the floor. The booty man turns up, and he's got two frying pans. <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> I I don't understand. Maybe there's a storyline. I, I was trying to make a link of like booty man frying pan. I just couldn't make it. There's... No, it, it was a completely bizarre. the cage door is open all the time. I'm I'm guessing it's just to fit a camera in so you can film it better. But it's open all the time. The booty man sneaks in with two frame pans. So we've got Hogan and Savage clean house with these frying pans. I mean, the frying pans are getting swung about. They're bending. They're getting all mangled up. Lex Luger comes back in. Somebody else who should have been eliminated from the match. No sign of Meng and Barbarian. <laughs> They've gone. They've done their bit. <laughs> For all we know, they're still locked in the bloody cage upstairs. <laughs> Yeah, they've just disappeared, haven't they? They come back in, and Luger's flexing around a weighted glove, which I imagine, if you're in the crowd and you haven't got the benefit of commentary, you think Luger's just putting a glove on. It looked like one of them gardening gloves. It was, it was, it was odd, wasn't it? It was just a yeah. glove. And it almost didn't fit his hand. He was yeah, it'd take him a while off. to get it on, yeah. For a man who's covered in baby oil, that glove did not slip straight on. <laughs> So Ric Flair's holding Savage. Luger is about to hit Savage. The Savage ducks. And about ten years later, Luger throws a punch at Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Luger sure. goes to throw a punch, he stops. Savage ducks. And then he hits Ric Flair anyhow. I don't know if that was planned. Commentary suggested it was. 
Yeah, I think that was his first ten. Right. He was first after this. Um, well, then, immediately after that, Hogan, <laughs> Hogan just punches Logan. What, what's all that about? Well, it's so getting away, Right, so he punches Luger. Luger's then thrown into the cage. Hogan says to Savage, come on, brother, let's get out of here. Yep. They're about and they just run off. They're about to leave. Savage then realises, oh, no, sorry, we're in the someone. middle of a match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I better pin someone. He pins an eliminated Ric Flair <laughs> and wins the match. But yeah. did you notice how far he jumped across that ring to pin, pin Ric Flair once he realised he was meant to put a pin on someone as well? So Hogan's already outside the cage. Randy Savage has to jump back in through the ropes to pin Ric Flair, who's longer in the match because he's been eliminated. Gets the one two three because of the weighted glove punch. And it's over. And we've all been put out of our misery. And the inaugural Doomsday Cage match, because I believe they did this again, because it went so well the first time. <laughs> it, it was great. Been... There was oh. a bit in the match as well that I noticed that was they were fighting behind the cage, and Bobby the Bra- they get Bobby the Brain goes, oh, they, they picked up a bucket of bolts and tools, and it was quite clearly just a backpack full of stuff that they didn't yes. then end up emptying as well. And you're thinking. At least say it's a bag, not a bucket. Everyone knows what a bucket is. I feel for the commentary team because they had to pretend that this was this was a thing. They had to try and make this sound good because this was terrible. This is genuinely what I would rather watch all of the Punjabi prison matches than this. Wow, (laughs) we could have arranged that. Did you? Did you not enjoy it in a in a strange kind of way? No. No. I thought no I would. Sometimes I, I I get that. Some things are so rubbish that they're great. This was yeah. so rubbish. It was it just was rubbish. rubbish. It was awful. The first thing they got wrong was t- starting with the wrong people in the top cage. Why? Yeah. Is that so that bit was hard for me. Why not start with? <laughs> Was it Meng and who was, who was the other one? Sorry. Barbarian. Barbarian. Why Barbarian. not start with them instead of making... Yeah, why put the world champion to first kind of... Yeah. Because it was obvious they were going to lose. Yeah. Was it... I don't know. I was going to say, was it to keep... Well, the championship wasn't on the line. They I think it may be. It may be because they were the two smallest guys. And they could they only do yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Which is probably why, now we're looking back at it, it's probably why Long Ness was taken out of his match. Oh, yes. no way that cage would have supported him. He would have yeah. been in the second second cage. Yeah. Hey. And it wasn't there for him. But oh. also, he probably would have fallen through as well. You would have had him in early mankind, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I was genuinely thinking that was going to happen. And there was a bit where oh, Anne Anderson leaned back on the cage and the cage bored so much <laughs> what are you doing man get back in the middle it's not <laughs> something so like. no it was it was different I could see what they were trying it was a, a different match I mean, imagine if, you, if you're if you a kid and you're watching this 
it was probably the most exciting thing on the planet. Three cages, four cages if you can't if you can't do one in the middle on top of each other. Hulk Hogan beating up all the bad guys. Great stuff. But watching it as an adult or as, as a wrestling fan, no, no, it didn't. No. It, didn't it didn't. It it didn't work. Memorable, but probably not for the right reasons. You see, if this was done now, WWE would have merchandised the crap out of this and probably exactly. made a ton of money to make it worthwhile. But from how cool would that cage be as a toy? It'd be amazing. WCW merchandise was god awful on it. Oh, so whoa, whoa. The figures the never moved. The bash of the beach The bash of the beach playset. Wait, Floyd in your bath. And then the chapter. We had the rest of us fell through. I mean, that's that was amazing. I won't have that. It was, it was the greatest thing of all time. I don't that know. Was my, you... Of all the rest of the toys I've had, that was my favourite by far. The bash I don't know if you could if you could buy this cage, but I'd be interested to see if you could, and I'd, I would consider buying one just to see what it was like. But it's probably a limited edition thing now, and it would cost me eighteen times as much as it should. Thank you. What for else? Doing picked, for us. What, what else? The picks one. This is they, they obviously kept going about the end of Hulkamania. Do you reckon they were giving hints to his heel turn, his upcoming heel turn? Maybe that that they're saying that people are trying to get rid of him. I don't know. I think it was just Hogan had been on top for that long, hadn't he? And he'd beat every heels. So I think this was just the heels teaming up to to stop to try and beat Hulk Hogan. I don't think. You, I think it's just. I don't know if they even decided at this point that Hogan was going to be the third guy. No, it's going to be Mabel. <laughs> <laughs> I've also written. You don't want to get by your <laughs> I've yeah. also written my notes that they were set on. Set out on saying you'll never see anything like this. You've never seen anything like this before, and I just and hopefully we'll never see it again. But apparently we did. Not true. I believe this. I'm sure there's no, but they didn't call it that. They called it something else. They called it the triple decker cage or something like that. Oh, that was di- that was different. That one. Is that different? That was that was like that was in the main ring, and it was a Hell in a Cell style cage with a normal steel cage on top of that, and then a smaller cage on top of that one. Right. Um. So they started using that a bit. I think that was a oh, was it a Vince Russo? They they used it in the film Ready to Rumble. I was gonna say that was a David Arquette uh, match where it was. And then they also they also had a War Games match in there as well. They used it quite a bit that cage. Right. Yeah. So this is this was the the only thank God for that. I believe it was the only tarot Yeah. Yeah. The tagline to this event was everything you've wanted to see plus the stuff you haven't thought of yet. It was the tagline for Uncensored Ninety Six. Quite right. I um I thought as well the quite the crowd were quite quiet through a lot of the matches. I don't know if yeah, it was maybe I don't know, I, I suppose this was free attitude, isn't it? Attitude Monday Night Wars just so maybe that's why the crowd wasn't as hot as what it could have yeah, been. Yeah, this is this was before um, the NWO, so it was before I think it was quite a, a young crowd. So it's a fellow crowd, wasn't it? In a, yeah, in a classic sub-wrestling yeah. 18 to 35-year-olds who created a lot of noise for the NWO. I think this was also the time of where adults were getting sick of Hogan beating everyone. Because front yeah. match, can you name a move that Hulk Hogan got put on him? He, won, he was doing most of the, the, the offence, wasn't he? So. I mean, to be fair, I, I can't really name a move that happened during this match. Yeah, that is kind of Shuffling about and a few like a few rabbit punches. I also yeah, noticed so, that the entrance music throughout the events was 
fairly quiet. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I think this was a thing in like in WCW. I think like every wrestling company other than WWE has issues with their entrance music. I think yeah. sometimes you don't. There's a lot of matches throughout it, but you don't even notice that it's kind of changed. Um, yeah, I think it. I don't think they had their own. Well, they had their own themes, but I don't think it was there was well as big as the WWE ones. Cause that's, could of, you name a, a WCW theme? I don't think I could. Yeah, well, it's kind of like so WWE have that thing where right, within like the first two seconds, you know exactly who it is. Yeah. Um, and you get that kind of pop from that, but you don't really get that. And I think I remember when I used to watch TNA. It was the same. Whisper yeah. quietly, but sometimes AEW is like that as well, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> For some, I don't know how it yeah, is. Yeah. WWE managed to just within like two seconds of every entrance feed, you know exactly who it is coming yeah. out, and you get that kind you of like, like clash out Stone Cold pop. You think as well how loud WWE's entrances are as well, how loud they're actually yeah. played, and that was the other thing they weren't they weren't loud entrances and they weren't played very loud. Yeah, I think it's just just because they're distinctive. I think it's just very distinctive, whereas other companies haven't really had that. I mean. The only one I really noticed was kind of um, Hulk Hogan's because it was the American made. Yes, yeah, yeah. Fantastic album, Hulk Hogan and Wrestling Boot Band. Um, which I 10 out of 10 recommend. It's glorious. Um, but other than that, I don't think there was any theme tunes that really stood out. I don't think there was. The only thing I noticed as well is DDP didn't have his theme tune that he was better known for later on. The kind of Nevada yeah. style. Um, and obviously the NWO, but yeah, I think WCW's had that issue, but I think that most wrestling companies seem to have that. They kind of, you normally have to wait for the words to come up on the screen before you know how a wrestler is, whereas WWE, yeah. it's, it's seconds, you just know. But as yeah. well, this wasn't even a, a Titan Tron for any words to come up on the screen, which made things probably even harder yeah. for someone like me that's never watched the WCW pay-per-view in his life <laughs> until now, and this is my introduction to him, so thank you very much for that. So what did you, what did you think, Piers, of, uh, of WCW? First two matches, really liked it. From the third match onwards, didn't impress me too much. D-minus, purely brought up by the first two matches. Wow. I would tend to agree with him. Just before we finish, I don't know if you noticed, but I thought the ending was so flat. So Savage yeah, and yeah. Hogan have won, and then they leave. And then... No, the last so every every WWE pay per view, especially WWF pay per views, yeah. it ends with what they want to see. So the winner or the baby face in trouble in the how many pay per views have did with called Shat Glass Shattering with a stunner yeah. or the Rock on the top rope. This just ended. They 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 left. They got out of there pretty quick. Granted, it was at the front of the stage. It was no celebrating, and then it ended with that's what I found odd. I was ex- yeah. I thought and they would kind of um, like lock the cage or something and celebrate on the roof or something like that and just yeah a big pop. But it was just yeah, he just kind of ran off, didn't he? Like ran off, and then you ended with the three commentators, and you can see the crowd leaving behind. Yeah, it was almost like a sports event, wasn't it? Like a post game somewhere yeah. kind of thing. And also, they had closing credits. Weird. Yeah, that was, I thought weird. It was weird. With first names, where it was just like camera assistant Brian. Yes, names <laughs> yeah, only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you got to it just hung on Eric Bischoff for like ten seconds at the end. <laughs> I turned it. I turned it off by that point. I watched it all. <laughs> yeah, it was. I watched yeah, it yeah. all. For me, I there's a lot of. I don't. I think WCW looks very unfinished. I don't. I don't think the production values were as good as WWE. I don't think they got it as much. But I wonder if that's 
because WCW come out of a Southern style, and as far as I'm aware, Southern style wrestling was all about the wrestling. Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think it was until the Freebirds that there was even entrance music. So that makes more sense. I think it's more of a Northern thing to have the personalities and the the moments. I think it's more about the wrestling down south. It's more about the moments up north. So I, I think, but the paper one all started well. I started watching the first two, and I thought, you know what, this might be all right. I knew that I had an inkling that the finish was going to be horrendous because it's not talked about at all today. So I saw the first two matches, I thought this is all right. There's a street fight coming up, but like after the first two, that, the, the man versus woman match, it went right downhill. And I would agree with Terry Peters, D minus, if I'm in a good mood. Uh, I thought it was fun, and like you know, you know me, I, I kind of like this this bad, terrible stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so on, from, a, from a pure novelty point of view, uh, I kind of enjoyed it in a weird way. I, I mean, I'm not going to watch it again. I'm not going to kind of finish you guys tonight because you know what? I'm going to watch that main event again. <laughs> it was, it was, it was one of those ones for me where it was so bad it was almost good, almost good, almost. The bit <laughs> the, the I really struggled with was the 16 minute Booty Man match. Yeah, that that went on for me. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of the matches went on too long. A lot of the matches yeah. went on too long. Um, and it did feel like a long... How long was it? Two hours, 45 minutes? Two hours, 45, yeah. It felt like a long two hours, 45 minutes. Like, I think we're going to... We're doing NXT TakeOver Dallas next week. That's slightly shorter than that, but I think that's going to fly by. Yes. Um, compared to what this this card felt like. It was... There were times, and again, I just keep calling back to fucking Booty Man, where I was like, ah, oh, I've picked, picked the wrong one here. Like, I thought this would be funny. This is kind is of the when you picked this, or when you start looking. Yeah, I knew who the Bootman was. Um, I did not. I did not. Another clue. Yeah, really. I only so I only heard it because I was listening to while I've, while I've been working from home for a long time. I've been listening to um, Wrestle Me, um, when he go through every WrestleMania, um, and they just kind of brought up that yeah, Brutus the Power Beefcake was there, but he was soon leaving for WCW to become the Bootman. Um, and always like he had like three or four different gimmicks in WCW, I think, didn't he? I think he was he was mainly around because he was Ogun's buddy, wasn't he? Yeah. That's, a, yes, yeah, that's a story that's yeah. But thank you for listening to us read a terrible <laughs> terrible pay per view. It is WCW Uncensored ninety six if you have somebody you don't like <laughs> and you wanna yeah, and you wanna show See, normally people say this would be a great pay-per-view or show for you to introduce to somebody who doesn't like wrestling. If you've got one of your friends, or maybe not a friend, who loves wrestling and won't stop talking about it, <laughs> show them this show, because they'll soon get put off. <laughs> wow. That is how strongly I feel about Show them the last match and go, yeah, you like wrestling. Yeah, Ric Flair, Ann Anderson, Randy Savage, top wrestlers. <laughs> Some of the best in-ring work you'll ever see. <laughs> But just stick them in a cage, fifty feet in the air, yeah. and see how you can do it. Yeah, not a lot of them happened in actually in the ring. They left that to the, the wonderful wrestler that is Zeus. Whoa, Z gangster! <laughs> oh, sorry, Z gangster. gangster. Yeah. Who had gangster painted on his head? Wow, he did. He did indeed. 
So like Lou says, next week on Wrestling Around, we will be watching NXT TakeOver Dallas, a show that we were lucky enough to be in the crowd for. What sort of things do you think we'll talk about next next week? Oh, it's going to be a different show. Um, just, it's more enjoyable. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad match on this card next week. It is really one, one. I think there's one that's average from memory. Yeah, I remember it's one of, the, one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Um, and one of my favourite wrestling moments ever, which I'll talk about next week. Um, it's outside the ring, but it's one of my favourite wrestling moments ever. What about you, Terry? What are you expecting from next week? I think because we were there, probably as well, how how we found it as a, as a spectator in the actual crowd rather than sitting at home, um, which is which will be quite interesting, I think, to get your two's perspective on it as well. But yeah, yeah. Watch it. probably one of the greatest wrestling matches I've ever seen live. Um, with an amazing debut in, in WWE as well, and quite an important debut, I suppose, in relative terms to now as well. What you're going to do. Right, so that will be next week where we'll be doing NXT TakeOver Dallas if anybody wants to watch it before I take know what we're talking about you won't have to watch this one because we'll be able to describe it but the Tower of Doom <laughs> watch it watch it then listen back to this and you, you'll understand I can't wait till NXT TakeOver Tower of Doom next year now they're They've already got war games. Tower of Doom is surely going to be next. NXT TakeOver Tower of Doom. We can only hope not. <laughs> <laughs> At least the cage will be made better. The cage will definitely be made better in, in WWE. Yeah. So don't forget to follow us on all our socials. You can find us at Rest Around. That's W-R-E-S Around. That's on Twitter and Instagram. We are Wrestling Around on Facebook. If you've got any questions for us, you can have uh, direct messages or you can email us on wrestlingaround at outlook.com. That's wrestlingaround at outlook.com. I've been Ross Markham. These have been the world famous Terry Peters and Luke Markham. And we shall see you next time. Thank you for listening to Wrestling Around. Thank you. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 